This morning, we're continuing on with our series that we started last week, uh, There Was Jesus. And last week, we saw Jesus interacting with Nicodemus. This morning, we are going to see him interacting with a man by the name of Zacchaeus. So I invite you to take your Bibles or the Pew Bible in front of you or your electronic devices and have a copy of the Scriptures in front of you and join me in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. This morning we will be looking at the first 10 verses. Luke chapter 19. Beginning with verse 1. He entered Jericho and passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Would you repeat that last verse with me? Luke chapter 19, verse 10, as it comes up on the screen. Luke 19, verse 10. Let's say it together. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, we sometimes lose sight of that. The people of Jesus' day lost sight of the fact that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said it another way over in Mark chapter 2 in verse 17 when he said there, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three different parables to illustrate why he came. He gives the parable of the lost sheep A shepherd has a hundred sheep, 99 are in the fold, but one is out lost, and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and to seek after the lost one. 
He tells the story of a lost coin. A woman loses a coin that was probably a part of her wedding dowry, and so she searches her whole house, cleans everything, looking for that which has lost. Have you ever done that? Have you ever personally misplaced something and then can't find it? Uh, I seem to do that a lot with my phone. Fortunately, I can have my wife call me and I can find out where it was I left it, of course, unless I put it on silence. Some of you have had that same experience, but you're seeking after it, and it's like you can't do anything else till you know where it is, the thing that we have lost. And then Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal sons. It's typically called the parable of the prodigal son, but actually there are two prodigals in that story. There's the son who ran off and wasted his entire inheritance, and then there's the son who stayed home, but, but whose heart was very far from his father. All of this so that we will not forget the Son of Man came to seek those that are lost, so that they might be saved. As we go through this series, we're going to continue to see interactions of people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. As our passage opens up, Jesus is entering Jericho, and he is passing through. It, this is happening at the end of the ministry of Christ. It's not going to be many days until he is betrayed and he is crucified in Jerusalem. So he is going through the city of Jericho. He has been in Jericho many times during his ministry. I'm sure that Zacchaeus has heard of him from him being in Jericho in the past. Now, the city of Jericho was a very important city. It's about 17 miles east-northeast of Jerusalem, and it was kind of like a business center, a trade center that people would pass through. Uh, there they had two main products that they were known for selling that people would want to come and trade for and take throughout the world. Uh, one was uh, dates that they grew there, and then secondly, there was a bomb, an aromatic type of gum that was known for its medicinal purposes that they would come to the city to get to take uh, elsewhere. This was a very important city in the history there. At one point, Mark Antony gave the city of Jericho to Cleopatra as a gift. Uh, Cleopatra then sold it for money because she wanted money more than she wanted Jericho. Uh, King Herod had a summer home here in Jericho. So Jericho is a pretty important city. And there living in Jericho, we find the man Zacchaeus. Now, if you've grown up in Sunday school as I have, 
when you hear the name Zacchaeus, at least for me, it reminds me of a song that I heard. Now, I thought about singing this for you this morning, <laughs> but I would like someone to be here for the rest of the service, so I gave up on that. But I want to remind you of the lyrics of that song. If you want to sing it as I'm reading through it, feel free to do so, but I'm not going to join you in the, the singing of the song. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Uh, that was really uh, a song that I learned in Sunday school that was accurate biblically. Uh, there are some other songs I learned while in Sunday school. Uh, I don't know why we sang them, but they didn't really teach us much about the, the Scriptures. But this is one that's pretty accurate in the way that it tells the story of Zacchaeus. And if you're here and you say, Butch, I've never heard of that song before. That's the lamest song I think I've ever heard. We'll just, we'll just stack it up to the different generations, Okay. My generation knows about Zacchaeus, your generation doesn't know about Zacchaeus. So that's one of the differences that we have there. Well, what do we know about Zacchaeus? We're told in verse 2 that he is a chief tax collector. Now, we've talked about before tax collectors. Nobody likes the tax collectors. I think we talked about this even last week. Apologies to those of you if you happen to be here and you work for the IRS. I'm sorry, you're not well liked by other people if they know that's who you're working for. Tax collectors in Jesus' day were particularly disliked. See, the Romans, when they would come in and conquer a people, in order to get their taxes, they would appoint tax collectors that were of the people that they had subdued. So now these tax collectors are collecting taxes from their friends, from their, well, say, former friends and neighbors and those that they would uh, have responsibility for. And when they collected taxes, the way it worked was they would collect what the Romans told them to collect. And then they would also collect what they needed for their own living. And then whatever else they might want to tack on to that. And they would have the force of Rome behind them. So that's Zacchaeus. Uh, John the Baptist, when the tax collectors would come to him and ask what they needed to do to be right with God, uh, John the Baptist told them, collect no more money than you're supposed to collect. But Zacchaeus is not only a tax collector, he is one of the chief tax collectors, which means he has other tax collectors working for him. And it's kind of like a pyramid scheme. They, when they collect, the other tax collectors, when they collect their taxes, they now have to charge enough to give the Romans what they demanded enough to make their own living, and then collect a cut for Zacchaeus. 
So Zacchaeus is getting a cut from all the tax collectors in Jericho. And as a result, we're told in the passage in verse 2 that he was rich. Does that surprise you? That Zacchaeus would be rich? But you know, riches do not necessarily bring happiness. Riches do not necessarily bring fulfillment. Matter of fact, we are warned in the Scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verse 9 that those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. If your desire in life, the thing that drives you above everything else is to get rich, it is not going to bring you the fulfillment that you think that it will bring. A few years ago, Time Magazine uh, did a story on different people who had won big lottery jackpot. And for the most part, they found that they were very unhappy individuals. One Sandra Hayes said, My friends turned into vampires trying to suck all the money out of me. Just let it be published in the paper that you just won a few million dollars. And you'll hear from friends you've not heard from in years. Abraham Shakespeare said, I'd been better off broke. Jack Whitaker said, I wish that I had torn the ticket up because of all the grief that it brought to his family as a result of having all this money. Zacchaeus is rich. But I think as we see in the passage, He is not someone that those riches have fulfilled him or made him happy. The next thing we see about Zacchaeus is that he was vertically challenged. He's short. Uh, Some of you can relate to that. Based scripturally on the language that is used there, uh, many Bible scholars mean that, think that this means this, that Zacchaeus was under five feet tall. So he's probably about 4'10", 4'11". He's vertically challenged. And so because of that, we see that he runs ahead of the crowd. He knows the path that Jesus is going to be taking... And so he runs ahead of the crowd, and he climbs up in a tree. Now, why do you think Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus? We're not told, for sure, in the passage, other than Zacchaeus wanted to see him. I think he hopes that he can have some interaction with Jesus. 
It may be, and this is pure conjecture on our part, it may be because he is aware that one of the disciples of Jesus, Levi, which we also know as Matthew, was a former tax collector who has now become one of the disciples of Jesus. And he may be puzzled as he knows his own life, how is it that a tax collector can now be a a member of his band of disciples? He may be trying to figure that out. Uh, Maybe he knew Matthew. Uh, We don't know that. That's mere conjecture. What we do know is Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. And so he knows, being vertically challenged, that he's not going to be able to see him because of the crowd, so he is going to get someplace where he can see him. Have you ever had the situation where you wanted to see something, but because of the crowd you weren't quite able to, to get where you, wa- you wanted to be, to have a good view, so you went somewhere else to get the view? Uh, Barb and I have done that at times for fireworks. Uh, we uh, occasion where we don't want to be in with all the people that are right there. So we find out where is there a place that we would be able to see them, see them clearly. Uh, maybe it's at a parade. But you have a desire to see things and you can't see them. So you move to where you find a point that you can uh, see them. That's what Nicodemus, I'm sorry, that's what Zacchaeus does. So he gets to where he can see Jesus. The next thing we find out in the passage in verse 6 is that he joyfully entertains Jesus. In verse 5, Jesus addresses Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus, come on down from the tree. I'm going to your house. Notice how he puts it. I must come to your house today. Jesus must be there because there's something that's going to happen in Zacchaeus' house that day. Zacchaeus is going to get his questions answered, and Zacchaeus is going to meet his Savior. So Jesus says, I must come. So Zacchaeus hurries and comes down so that he can receive him in his house, you know, running home, I'm sure. And probably as he goes in the door, there's some things he's picking up real quickly. He didn't know Jesus was coming to his house today. You ever had a surprise guest at your house? You ever have anyone invite themselves to to your house? And so, okay, uh, if I'd known they were coming, I wouldn't have left this out. So let me get that real quick. But Zacchaeus comes there, and he joyfully entertains Jesus. Have you ever noticed how sinners like to be around Jesus? Have you ever noticed how the prostitutes, the tax collectors, 
Those who are sinners loved to be around Jesus. Now, Jesus never condoned their sin. Jesus will challenge them in their sin. But sometimes we have this view of Jesus as Jesus being the cosmic killjoy. And the reality is, sinners don't like to be around people who don't like to have fun and who do not like there to be a joyful atmosphere there. Zacchaeus is joyfully receiving him. I mean, that challenges me at times in my own life to ask the question, do sinners like to be around me? Do I send off a vibe that they would say, hey, rather not be around you? It's a question as church people we need to ask ourselves because we can be so comfortable just being with other believers. And certainly the scriptures talk about that, that we need to do that. We need that fellowship But Jesus said, we're not to come out of the world. How will we ever reach those without Christ if we never interact with them? How will we reach them as a church if we have an attitude, oh, I wish that person wouldn't come in here. Some of you have been parts of churches in the past that people in the pews sit very judgmental of those who come into the church. I can remember in the first church that I pastored. This was back in the 70s. This was still the time of the hippies. And, and I can remember a man that came in to our church and sat in the pew And two elderly ladies sitting behind him made him feel oh so welcome when they said, you know, if our former pastor were here, and they said it loud enough that he could hear it, if our former pastor were here, he would come and ask this person to leave and tell him to go get a haircut before he comes back to church. See, sometimes we almost feel like sinners need to get all cleaned up and then we will welcome them. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And it's through Jesus that we get cleaned up. And cleaned up doesn't necessarily mean a haircut. Jesus is more concerned about what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. He joyfully receives Jesus. Then Zacchaeus makes an announcement in verse 8. He said this, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
Here's a rich man that says, I'm going to take one half of everything I own, and I'm going to take it and give it to the poor. Something's changing in Zacchaeus. Before he took advantage of people, now he wants to reach out and to help those who are poor. And as Christians, we do have a responsibility to help the poor. Let's not, let's not miss that. Sometimes in our conservatism, which many of us have, we kind of have the attitude that, well, they wouldn't be poor if they went out and got a job. They wouldn't be poor if they did this or they did that or they did this. And in some cases, that may be correct. But where's our heart for the less fortunate? Where's our heart for those who are suffering? Zacchaeus says, indicating there's a change in him, I'm going to take half of what I've got and I'm going to give it to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, if I've cheated anyone, if I've cheated them, I'm going to restore it fourfold. I'm going to pay them back four times what I have defrauded them of. Now that goes further than even what many of the Old Testament texts required underneath the law. The Old Testament required restitution in cases of loss. And just let me say to you, remind you, that seems to be a missing gem today when it comes to the idea of forgiveness. That if we have wronged someone for complete biblical forgiveness to take place, restitution needs to be a part of it. We need to restore to those that we have taken or hurt so that true forgiveness can come into play. But the Old Testament generally required that 20% more be paid for restitution. Now, sometimes if a thief was caught, he was demanded to pay back to his victim double the amount he took. Exodus chapter 22. Uh, if you stole something that was essential to a person, like a farm animal from them, you were required to pay back four or five times the value of that that was taken. But Zacchaeus, coming to Jesus, says, if he's taken anything wrongfully from them, if I've committed any white-collar crime at all, I'm going to pay it back fourfold to the individuals, indicating something has changed in Zacchaeus. Now, how does the crowd respond to all of this? Verse 7, and when they saw it, They all grumbled. They all grumble that Jesus is going to a sinner's home. 
They all grumble. Why would he be with Zacchaeus? See, the Pharisees of the day did not want to be seen with sinners. If they were to associate with sinners, they would be announced as being ceremonially unclean. If they were seen hanging out with sinners, their friends would have nothing to do with them because good Pharisees don't hang out with that type of people. And so they grumble. And you know, unfortunately, many times when churches are effective in reaching the lost for Jesus, it's the church members, it's those who have been saved a long time that grumble over those kind of people coming into our church. I heard the story not long ago of a pastor that was hired to be a youth pastor in a large church. And they hired him because they were concerned because the numbers in their youth department were going down. And they wanted him to come and to build up the youth department, which he did. He connected in town with a bunch of skateboarders because he was a skateboarder himself. And he started leading them to Christ, and all the skateboarders started coming to the church. And the people of the church were very upset. Numbers were growing in the youth, but they weren't the right kind of numbers. They weren't the right kind of kids that were now coming. And so they grumbled. Just like the crowd grumbles. But what does Jesus do? Verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, and he also is a son of Abraham. Now that's something to rejoice about, isn't it? Isn't that something to rejoice about? Salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus. He once was blind, now he sees. He was lost, now he's found. The purpose that Jesus came for is fulfilled because Zacchaeus has found salvation in Jesus. Friends, let's not lose sight of why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. He did it with Zacchaeus, and he's still doing it today. Jesus is still seeking those who are lost that they might be found. And if we were to take time this morning, we we could have hundreds of stories from this congregation of how Jesus has changed our lives.
But this morning, I chose one of those stories that we might be able to share that with you of how there was Jesus in the life of a member of our congregation. So, hello, my name is Dennis Shawhan, and I have a rescue story, a redemption story about Jesus Christ and what he did in my life, and that's what I want to share today. You know, many of you know me as uh, director of Broken Chains Ministry and as an ABF leader here at Maranatha, but that was a process that took uh, over 25 years to complete. Uh, many of you don't know what happened in my life prior to that. When I was a young kid, I attended church. I lived in a uh, two-parent family. I was one of six kids. Uh, we went to church on a weekly basis, but there was no Bible in my home. There was no real Christianity in my home. There was religion, but we didn't know really anything much about Jesus Christ. You know, that uh, I, I was really active uh, in my youth, uh, doing all the normal things, but uh, without Christ in my life. Uh, and growing up in, uh, as a child in the 1970s, I experimented with a lot of different types of drugs. And uh, I decided that at the end of, of graduating high school, that it was time to move on to a career, time to get married, time to do the things that normal people do However, I never dealt with those addiction issues in my past. So I got, a, I got a great education, great job, was doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing, and uh, that all crashed. And I turned back to my old life, and I started to do the things that I was doing before, and it led to really deep addiction issues, cocaine, crack cocaine, marijuana, just, um, you know, I was a functioning addict. I was still going to work every day, but I was a functioning addict. Out of that, I turned to white collar crime to support uh, my drug addiction, my habit, and I ended up getting arrested and going to Summit County Jail. You know that there's something about when you're in jail and you have nothing to do but really uh, reflect on what's going on in your life, that uh, someone invited me to come to church. I hadn't been to church in 25 years, but someone there invited me to come. And I went to church that night and I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And although I knew that intellectually in my mind, I had no experience of that in my heart. And that night in April of 1993, Jesus showed up, there was Jesus right there in Summit County Jail that he came. The pastor was preaching out of Psalm 40 and it was 17 verses about King David and it was about a man who needed deliverance, a man that had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And he said, you know, Lord, you gotta hurry up. You gotta come right now. And I thought, man, this is all about me. And that night in April of 1993, um, I heard that gospel message. I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I haven't been the same since. I experienced that true forgiveness of my sins and uh, went on to start serving Him. I started yielding to Him instead of to my flesh. And over the last 25 years now, I got ordained into ministry full-time and I, I now get to serve as a chaplain in Summit County Jail, inviting those same men and women that were around me to come and tell them 
there was Jesus so that they can experience that same redemption story, that same rescue story, that they can hear the gospel of their salvation and come to faith in Jesus Christ. I praise God today, there was Jesus. Each week, Dennis can be found right here in the front row, uh, bringing with him others who have come to find Jesus. And you know, Jesus wants to come to your house today, too. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you confessed your sins? Is today the day that you want to come and have someone pray with you so that you can know for sure that you are a child of God. Jesus is inviting you to come. We're going to sing together an invitation hymn, just a, a short song here together. And if God is working in your heart and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to know him today, Come and meet me at the front as we stand and sing together.